I, I maybe I did play at least a little bit. Okay, but once again, though, let's get back on subject here. Mike Valeni is your father figure. No, he is not. I will be your you love Valenti. Like, remember, you were swaggerjacking some of his his bits. That's who you get your swag off of. Not a father figure. Let us be your sports father figure on our podcast with swag on SoundCloud and iTunes at WXUTs after further review. Welcome to 88.3 WXUTs after further review. We can be your Superman. And U.S. national team gets a, 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 I guess, a Superman type of victory, so to speak. The national media thought so over uh, Mexico. But David said, hold on so fast. He wasn't too impressed by it. He don't think that there are Superman just yet. David, what's your thoughts on this? Yeah, and obviously kind of last Sunday, a performance in the Nation League final, which for those of you that never heard of the Nation League, it's okay. They just literally made up this competition this year, and so wait a minute. Isn't it part of the Concaf or Concaf or whatever? Yeah, I mean it's part. It's under the Concacaf umbrella. Concacaf, but it's yeah. one of the. It was, it was one of those. It's one of these new tournaments that's essentially designed for us to see U.S. versus Mexico. That's what that's I was wondering. Like yeah. yeah, it's not like the Gold Cup. It's not like kind of the Concacaf. Um, like a European, it's not like a normal competition. Mm. It's kind of a new thing. Money, obviously, you can get a lot of money with the USA versus Mexico. The gameplay, you know, Fox. I mean, it was on Fox Sports. But um, yeah, it's, it's essentially just another competition for the USA versus Mexico. Uh, coming into this game, there was a lot of pressure on both sides. Um, US didn't really look. That and like they they obviously got the one 0 win against Honduras, but it, it wasn't as commanding, dominating. It took us until literally, you know, ninetieth minute for us to get that game winning goal. And then when we played against Mexico, it didn't start off too hot. It looked um, well. First of all, we didn't really play in the formation that was familiar to us, and that's one of the criticisms I have of Greg Berhalter. We're always Shifting, changing things rapidly, knowing instead of just um, having some kind of stable starting 11, a stable formation that we can fit players in and know it, and everyone knows what's happening. It seems as though we're just kind of going on the fly. Each, each match is a different formation, different starting 11, and it showed. We went down super early based upon a bad mistake from one of our young players in the back, and then we are playing catch-up. Now, the reason that I say I wasn't thoroughly impressed is that there are still a lot of more questions that, quote-unquote, could and should have been answered that I'm still like, yeah, I don't know if we really truly have answers yet. So for me, do we have an out-and-out striker up front that can scare and intimidate teams? We eventually saw that after, you know, substitutions in the 70th, 80th minute that helped to contribute. 
Tyreven put pressure on Mexico's back line that really didn't play, because that really wasn't threatened for a good chunk of the match, other than set pieces, which is where we um, scored two of our goals. But I really wasn't, I don't think we have an out-and-out number nine, or at least one that Greg Berhalter trusts consistently. Mm-hmm. Everyone's looking at Christian Pulisic, the guy that scored the penalty kick, the game-winning penalty, took his shirt off, you know, silenced the crowd, which, come on, like, that's, like, outdated in its own right. But for the majority of the first half, he was really non-existent. He was out of the game, and it really took until later in the match where he would find pockets here or there to make an impact. Mm-hmm. Like, if this was supposed to be your superstar, and he's, you know, making, you know, an impact here, getting a touch here, like... Obviously, I've heard the conversations about the counter to this. Well, it's the midfielder's job to give him the ball, to get touches. He had to come back into kind of the defensive third to get the ball and then dribble up the field. If you're a superstar, you have to – it's not just everyone else feeds you the ball. You have to find those channels. If the defense is double-teaming you, then you have to adjust your game to get the ball. We see that in – Football, if you're being double-teamed as a wide receiver, you find ways to get the ball. If you're in basketball, if you're double-teamed, you find ways to make it you to get the ball, to be impactful. And it didn't seem like for at least half of the match, eh, we were still asking some of those questions. And for me, I'm still asking a lot of those questions. Like, can... And should Christian Pulisic be kind of the quote-unquote face of the U.S. men's national team when, for good chunks of big matches, he just wants to, you know, steal the spotlight and the glory, but not doing a lot of the grunt work that um, that makes him show up outside of the score sheet. Like, yes, you can be involved in set pieces where, you know, we're starting from nothing and, you know, you get across it and you put a shot on target. I just want to see more out of our quote-unquote superstar other than, oh, game-winning penalty. Or the eventually turned into the match-winning penalty. I'm going to take the ball because I'm the quote-unquote captain. When on that field that night, there were at least three players that, we're not only deserving of being the captain more, but played a heck of a lot better. And then kind of in the fallout aftermath, hearing a lot of conversation, listening to the radio saying that, you know, you know, the U.S. Men's National Team is back. Oh, we're back. We're going we're gonna to win the Gold Cup starting next month. We're going to qualify for uh, 2022 World Cup. We're going to use that momentum to help us propel into twenty what we do in 2026 when the World Cup comes to North America. And I'm just like, let's, let's calm our expectations. Like, knowing that this is a young team, that we still don't know who our starting 11 is because we're still trying to figure out what the best formation is. So until we can figure out how we're going to line up, then we can start talking about, okay, who's the best position or who's the best player in this position? What's the best position for this player? Who's going to be our substitute? It just seems as though 
we are so longing and hungry for the men's national team to do well, knowing that the women kick their, you know, in terms of success, you know, wipe the floor with them. That like any semblance of victory of success, whether it's a competition that's you know recognizable or one that we just made up. Now everyone's come out of the woodworks. Yay, U.S. Men's National Team. And I'm just like, let's just let's just calm down. So I got to ask you this question: How far is it from the U.S. actually competing to win the World Cup, though, for the men's side? Uh, I mean, it's like I said. I watched the national media made a big deal about them beating Mexico and saying that we're young and the the future looks bright and maybe possibly. They could be World Cup contenders, not this next one, but maybe the one after next. Yeah, yeah I, w- I would say, honestly, kind of 2022, if we make it, this is really just going to be kind of another chance for experience getting your feet wet. Mm-hmm. I think 2026, when we host the World Cup, that's going to be a solid look at to where we stand within kind of world soccer. Mm-hmm. Because... At that time, that's going to be four or five more years of the players that we have that are young in Europe now, that are stars, that are making impact now. They'll have four, four more years of playing first-team football against the best of the best who are going to be the starters for these other countries that we're going to see at the World Cup. It's going to be four years of hopefully getting, getting our formation right, just knowing what exactly will look like and how we're going to play, which we've seen a lot of times, at least kind of leading up to the Nations League and then before that within this current camp, just really kind of testing the water, seeing who that we have, um, where they, where can they play formations, um, knowing that there are some players that are out mm-hmm. or that didn't play a whole lot in either the match against Honduras or in the Nations League final against Mexico. Uh, so I think 2026, 2026, we should, at the very least, get out of the group stage and then, round, at bare minimum, round of 16. So we should be part of the final way in 2026 when we're hosting the World Cup. That's just based off of looking at some of the younger, like looking at who we have, knowing that within five years it's still going to be a huge influx of talents that are playing with the under 19s, under 21s, that are getting their feet wet in some of the lower divisions in Europe or even MLS. Um, and then just seeing from what I'm seeing from the other U21s across Europe, across South America, of course, the African continent, they're always going to be tough and competitive that we know of. Um, yeah, so I think 2026 will be, there should be, we make it to the knockout stages and we get to the final eight. That that should be their target. I'm not saying that that means that we're going to win the World Cup in 2030. I still think there's, I mean, all of Europe is still good at soccer. I mean, they're, they're still leaps and bounds ahead of where we are in terms of development, in terms of scouting in terms of having the best of the best 
playing consistently at the top, top team within kind of club football, which, of course, is usually based in Europe. So I, I think I think five years will, will be a good realistic goal for us to be competitive at the at the global stage. Okay, that that should that, I was just asking. I was just wondering how that that was gonna play out. Okay, yeah, and and I think it's gonna obviously, also that takes into account kind of injuries and making sure that if there are if there are players that kind of come out come out of the woodwork or kind of the diamonds in the rough that can burst into the scene. That affects things. Coaching changes. If Greg Burkhalter is still even around by the time we get to 2026, right. that's going to change things. Because if we change coaches, then we change formations, and then we change who's going to be an impact player, who's not. I still think, for me, our two biggest questions are going to be kind of who is going to lead the attack, who could be the focal point of our offense, and then figure out our defensive roles, because that's Defensively, we get if we're going to have players that like to be more attacking but aren't good defensively. When you know the counterattack happens, when we need to come back on defense, who's going to be left back there to help in defense? And we saw that a lot with Mexico, particularly kind of in the second half and later in the game with some Mexican substitutions. Those are legitimate questions, and yes, we were able to kind of squeak, and I say squeak past Mexico because I still think kind of we got lucky in a lot of different ways. But if you look at the likes of in Italy or a Germany or France or a Spain, like those teams will capitalize, and they won't, like they will make you work infinitely harder. And so, yes, it's good that we beat Mexico, you know, our quote-unquote rival. But what is it going to look like in the Gold Cup where we have to face the likes of Brazil or in Argentina or see Mexico again? Like, there, we can't just leap into, oh, we're the, you know, we're back when we're just knocking on the door and we kind of get an opening because, Someone left the door open for us, and we kind of just walked in. Like, that doesn't mean that we've arrived. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, but then again, we've always been at the bottom. <laughs> I, hate to, I mean, I hate to say that, but, yeah, we've always been at the bottom. Yeah, but the people are going to be um, – I got to understand the hurrah and um, – People excited that we won something. People are going to understand, hey, we're seeing the youth talents. We're seeing the, the future of U.S. soccer or the right now of U.S. soccer. We just have to not get into a situation where we're placing so much pressure on these young kids that we make it infinitely impossible for them to kind of get to that next step where they're growing and they're able to be kind of um, a competitive force without us forcing it down the throat. Oh, you have to be 
this team, and then, you know, we'll take you seriously. You have to be this team or, or we won't take you seriously. And, I mean, that comes with just not winning. Like, any time that there's a team that hasn't won and they get a little bit of success, it goes straight into, oh, well, you know, we're the best of the best. Yeah, that, that is true. Final thoughts, David? Um, again, congratulations to the U.S. men's national team. For those that watched the game, I wholeheartedly condone the action of the fans and the fans in Denver, Colorado, from the chance to the throwing things on the field. There's no place in that. And if kind of CONCACAF had a backbone, there would be stiffer penalties than the ones that came out. But we know that they're not going to do anything about it. <laughs> well, probably not. <laughs> You're right, though. Okay. Well, well, it's, healthy. it's good to dream. Well, that, that, that is true. So, David, what you got on, on deck for the, the weekend? Uh, so, the European Championships, uh, soccer for the next month or two. Yeah, soccer on two. Forget all that baseball stuff, man. No one cares about baseball. Well, you know, it gets heated up usually around August. We start to really pay attention to baseball, though. Eh, maybe maybe mid-September because that's like the heat of the playoffs. But then by that time, I'm thinking about football. So. Yeah, football, 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 especially in the heat of uh, college football and stuff like that. But, uh, David, stay cool. Uh, I know, is it hot there in New York? Yeah, hot wave, decent humidity. Perfect weather for soccer or football or just just being outside. No bugs, though. Get get the bugs for anything you need. You're you're so lucky, man. Have a good weekend, my man. All right. See you next week. And remember, your uh, your, uh, podcast will be up uh, later, either on Sunday or Monday. All right. Sounds good. All right, man. Sounds good. Are you promoting the show like Frank? We had to talk to Frank about that. Yeah, I'm telling people to listen share my thoughts, opinions, sometimes get a good conversation going on. At the church? Yeah. <laughs> Here in church on the, on the, you know, on Facebook, social media. Okay. People listen, people, people like seeing, hearing what I have to say. Okay, Share good. my two cents. Right, yeah, or one-eighth of a peso. Yeah, I like a euro. <laughs> Worth more. Yeah, that's right. Have a good weekend, my man. All right, see you. Yep, that was David, the man that got here. It's here on 88.3 WGTs. After further review, hopefully we'll all be back in the studio. Well, actually, David will be calling from New York, but Frank the Tank will be back in this, his regular seat. And uh, it looks like the radio boss and the computer is back in the studio. So guess what that means? It looks like you get to listen to commercials and songs and stuff on our computer. Uh, but I, I've been liking the 80s music that's been provided for us here. But this has been a presentation of 88.3 After further review, make sure you always check us out on SoundCloud and on iTunes. It's got the picture of Frank Master and the horse's head. For David and Frank, I'm Derek. I'll see you when you see you. Peace. We're out. We'll see you guys next week.